Once again, happy Easter, everybody. We're going to jump right in. If you haven't been with us over the last couple months, you're kind of stepping in uh, at the end of a series called Your Word. And it is a little bit unusual for a church like ours to end a series on Easter, but uh, we've been doing some work. We've got a little bit to wrap up today. And basically what we've been doing is we, we looked back over the last year as we were coming into 2021 and realized that 2020 into the new year, a lot of people inside and outside the church were putting their weight their trust and surrendering their emotions to sources of truth that did not deserve it. And so as a church, we decided we're going to take a step back and we're going to get back to the one source of truth, God's word that deserves our full weight. It deserves our trust. It deserves anything that we want to surrender to it. And so we, we've been doing this series and it's been in conjunction with a reading plan that we challenged everyone to do called the Essential 100. And it basically, you can find uh, that on Google. You can find it in the Version Bible app. And it basically walks you through key passages of the Old and New Testaments, laying out what does, how does God interact with his people? What does, he, what does he say about himself? What does he say about Jesus coming as the Messiah? And then ultimately, what does Jesus accomplish? And how does he lay the foundation of the church upon our church and all the other legitimate churches in the world are founded on? And so that's what we've done. And, and today kind of picks that up. We, uh, we chopped the series up a little bit through the winter and, and hit it for a couple weeks, and then we disappear and then come back for a week or two. And, and so today wraps that up, and, and our passage today actually comes from day like 92 or 93 of the Essential 100. So if, if you've been reading along with us, we're almost there. You almost made it. If you haven't, you got a, like a week to make up for those 100 days. But I would encourage you, go find it, even if you have to jump in today, uh, get going and, and read those passages. Really, really solid reading plan. But it's a, it's a big weekend, right? It's, it's the Super Bowl week for churches, this, this week of Easter, the Holy Week. But it's also a big week for sports fans. And, and those of you guys who have been around know that the Powell family is a big March Madness family. Like we, we dive headfirst into March Madness. This past week, we actually did a thing. We were supposed to go up north for a couple days. And we, we woke up Monday. And we were like, you know, Michigan plays tomorrow night. And Indianapolis is only like four hours away, and you got StubHub, and you can get some tickets, and you got Priceline, you can snag a last minute hotel. So we, we, we did that, we grabbed the kids, we threw them in the car and drove down and watched the Michigan game on Tuesday night. It may have been our fault that they lost. Uh, but So it wasn't everything that we hoped it would be, but it, it, certainly a great memory. We had talked about doing that, that with the kids for a long time, and, and so had some fun with that. But over the course of these three weeks, we, we have these stretches where we watch literally dozens of basketball games in a two or three day stretch. And what you'll notice in doing that is you start to pick up on the patterns of what commercials are coming and the things that you watch over and over and over again. And so this year was Capital One and, uh, and what a rocket mortgage. This church gets no money for naming those organizations. So don't feel like you're walking into some, uh, you, know, you don't have to turn over any tables here in the temple. Uh, you start to see all the new series that are coming on CBS and TBS and True TV, whatever channel that is. But what you also start to notice are, are your stereotypical commercials because they know who's watching, right? The people watching March Madness are people, they're, they're the former athletes. They, they used to be in their prime, and now they've eaten their way through the Pizza Hut commercial and the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial, and they're looking down and going, 
I am not what I once was. And so then comes the workout equipment commercial, right? So the fitness equipment and the gym membership comes up. And so these are brilliantly produced commercials because they always have a man and a woman. And somehow they represent every age, race, and creed in the physical embodiment of two people, right? It's, it's amazing. And, and what you find is like the, the picture there, the ab roller. Somehow they find these individuals that built their glutes, their calves, and their traps all with a little wheel. Just full body workout. Like, how do I increase the size of my neck? Ab roller. Just, just doesn't really matter. And so that happens. But one thing you'll notice, uh, you've got the chiseled man body. And then the woman is everything that media and pop culture says that she's supposed to look like. But if you watch very carefully, you'll see at the bottom of the screen when you watch these workout commercials, it'll say, results may vary. Right? So there's no guarantee that you're going to look like this dude, right? When you use the ab roller, the results vary. Everybody kind of has a different outcome. But then if you pay really close attention, some of them you'll see a thing at the bottom of the screen that says results not typical. So not only are you not guaranteed those results, but they say it's very likely that you will not turn out this way. What they should put on the bottom is these people's full-time job is getting shredded and we paid them to use our stuff for five minutes so we can kind of claim that they got shredded using our stuff. But hey, what happens? What happens when you watch those commercials and people sit on their couches? They sell stuff, right? They move units by showing these commercials. Why? Because we long for transformation. We are wired for transformation. We talked about this a little bit back in January when we kicked off the series, how you'll see books and podcasts and and diet things, and they're saying, this will change your life, and we buy it, right? And what do we typically do in pursuit of that? When we, we fall for this idea that transformation on the outside will cause me to become something new, to feel something new, to experience something new on the inside. And I think whether we, whether we want to admit it or not, we all have these moments where we feel to right, fail to realize it just doesn't work that way. Because we can look around the people that we know and look out in the world and we find people with all the money in the world, but they're miserable. And they're experiencing failed marriages, just like people who don't have all the money in the world. And you can find people with all the muscles in the world, but they're still obsessed with themselves. They're still insecure. They still look in the mirror and see something that isn't quite right. And we have people who have all the success in the world, but they're still pushing, still grinding, still trying to convince dad that they made something of themselves. We are wired for transformation. But unfortunately, we typically pursue it in the wrong area, in the wrong way, for the wrong reasons, and in the wrong direction. We try to do it from the outside in. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning, because here we are on Easter, Easter Sunday, when God made it possible for our thirst for transformation to be quenched once and for all. So, second. Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is, um, if you've been doing the reading, it, it does show up today or tomorrow, and so you'll hit it uh, in the Essential 100 reading plan. But 2 Corinthians five seventeen, a verse, if you grew up in church, you probably grew up memorizing this one in some form or another, says this. It says, if anyone is in Christ, now we'll continue with that in a second because we need to dig apart in Christ a little bit, because this is really important for what that means. What does it mean to be in Christ? Now, for our purposes today, there are three things that that means that are very important. First one is, if you are in Christ, I now belong to him. 
At some point, I crossed that line of faith. I heard the gospel. I believed. I trusted. I surrendered myself to Jesus. And so I'm no longer my own. I was, a, I was bought at a price. I've been redeemed by him. And so I align myself with his teaching. It's about his will, his character, his priorities, his view of life and the world. I belong to him. I am in Christ. Second thing it means is that I now live in and by his power inside of me. It's Christ in me. It's no longer the flesh that gets to decide how things go. I'm, not, I'm now living according to the spirit, according to faith. Because on my own, I'm broken, right? When left to my mind and my heart, they are, they are bent towards sin. They are bent towards the self. But now I'm relying on the Holy Spirit living inside of me, leading from inside of me. So if I am in Christ, I belong to him and I am living in his power. Third thing. If I am in Christ, I now belong to the body of Christ. I am part of something that is bigger than myself. I'm part of a mission. I'm called to something bigger than any one person. And so being in Christ is way bigger than just attending church my whole life. It's way bigger than knowing some Bible verses that I learned as a kid. It's more than being nicer than most Christians that I know. It's, it's more than being born in America instead of the Middle East. So I'm Christian instead of Muslim. Being in Christ is a very big deal. I belong to him. I live by his power inside of me. And I am a part of something far greater than just myself. So go back to verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And if you grew up memorizing that verse, you may have memorized it saying that, that the, that person, they are a new creation. They are a new creature. So if you're in Christ, if those things that we talked about, those three things are all true, then in the eyes of God, in the eyes of eternity, you are a completely different being than you were before. And you say, okay, Justin, I know some Christians. And they aren't quite different the way I thought they might be different. Justin, I, I've experienced that. I've, I've crossed that line of faith. I believe in Jesus, but I still have these things that aren't quite different. Like, how come, how come that transformation hasn't fully happened in me yet? And you, you hear stories of people where they give their lives to Christ and the addiction goes away immediately or that struggle goes away immediately. And God can and does do those things, but by and large, it's not the snap of a finger. So what's going on? Well, I'd say that's a valid point, but I want to tell you what I mean and, and I want to show you what I mean as I'm kind of talking about it. So we've got a quick little video we're going to throw up for you. And this is, uh, for those of you who love that feeling of a freshly mowed lawn, those of you who love the feeling of, of that freshly vacuumed living room where the lines all kind of match up, those of you guys who love just the feeling of, of, of something freshly done, it's, it's clean, it's neat, it, this is a great video for you. It's so satisfying. This woman who goes around cleaning up uh, gravestones and takes them from this beat up, nasty, overgrown, dirty, grungy thing and restores it to the way it was supposed to look originally, the way it was designed to be, what it was supposed to accomplish, the, pur the purpose it was supposed to fulfill. And here's what we need to understand. This isn't to simulate Jesus rising from the dead. There's no zombies coming up from the ground there in a second. But it's to, to illustrate this, that in Christ... The beauty and the uniqueness that you were created for is restored. 
The same creativity, the same care, the same power that was utilized for your original beginning is utilized for your new beginning. The honor and the glory of your existence that it was supposed to offer God becomes a possibility again. The word creation that's used in this verse means the original formation. It means the created thing in its intended form. Completely restored from the inside out to your originally intended design. The you that was born, the you that is exactly as God intended and wanted, slowly gets covered up. We get, we get covered up by sin. We get covered up by hurts that come in our lives, by pain, by the peaks and valleys of life. We get covered up by our inconsistencies and betrayals and, and the mess-ups in our lives. And all of that gets taken away and we are reborn. God doesn't get rid of you and start with someone else. He starts from the inside out and cleans us out and makes us exactly as we're intended to be. Now, here's something even cooler. Because like I said, some of you guys grew up uh, memorizing this verse as they, if they're in Christ, they are a new creature. They are a new creation. So you say, well, how come the NIV says that the new creation has come? Well, this is kind of interesting. This word has a couple different meanings to it. One meaning is that the word can refer to an individual created thing or a creature. So when we grew up memorizing this verse, anyone who's in Christ is a new creature, a new individually created thing. But that, that word also means and is used as the sum of all created things or all of creation. And so your rebirth, your newness in Christ isn't just you. Your transformational relationship with Jesus is part of God's ultimate plan to restore all of creation back to its intended design. So you might say, so what? What? Why does it matter with just me? Why, why, what role do I have to play in this entire universe of recreation? Well, I'd say no one cares about that one lost puzzle piece until you're done with the rest of the puzzle. All of a sudden, that one puzzle piece becomes huge. It becomes invaluable. It becomes irreplaceable. You are an integral part of God's masterpiece, and sin ripped you away, but guess what? He wants you back. And that is why when we think about our quest for transformation, our desire for transformation, our thirst for transformation, it can only be quenched in him. Our soul longs for it. All of creation longs for it. Our renewal, our rebirth, our transformation. So then how is this all accomplished? How, how are we even given this opportunity for transformation to exist? Well, Paul answers that question in the next few verses of 2 Corinthians 5. He says this. He says, all of this, everything that we've been talking about, this, this newness, this transformation, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What's the message? That God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. All of this transformation, the newness, the rebirth, it's accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Happy Easter. And so as the one talks
talking to you today, I, I speak on behalf of our church. We would echo the cry of verse 20 in this chapter where Paul says, We therefore were Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us because he is this morning. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Come back to God. You say, Justin, I've never been with God. I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up with this. I didn't grow up believing. It's not like I wandered from something. I was never there. But guess what? You were created for it. It was your original design to be in a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. And now he's calling you back to that. You can have that again as you were designed to have and simply have to believe in Jesus. It's recognizing that Jesus did come. He was God, just like he said he was. And he accomplished everything that he set out to accomplish. And if we'll simply say, I believe, I trust, and put our weight on him and put our trust in him, he will begin that restoration from the inside out. Everything can change. Not from the outside in, like, let me get you a new pair of clothes. Let me clean up your haircut. Let me, let me change the way you talk. And it, it doesn't start there. It starts on the inside. And only Jesus can transform that from the inside out. It's coming to a place in your life where you recognize, on my own, I'm lost. On my own, I'm broken. But Jesus came to fix that. And I believe. And it makes all the difference. band's going to come and lead us through one more song. But there's another verse that comes up in our Essential 100 reading uh, over the next couple days. It's from 1 Peter chapter 1. And I love the way Peter puts it, and it really sets up our, our final song that we're going to sing together this morning. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth, the kind of transformation that we've been talking about. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Guys, there is a reason why no other religion, no other God, no other prophet can save you or transform you. There's a reason why Jesus is the only way. It's because he's the only one that's alive. In him, it's not about just having better odds than we'd have in other options, right? This isn't some cheap infomercial attempt at transformation. In him, it is a living hope. He is alive, he is active, and he is chasing you down. I want to challenge you how many things had to happen for you to be sitting in this room at this moment or watching this screen at this moment. God is chasing you down, ready to transform you from the inside out. Why don't you stand with me as we prepare to sing? I want to pray for you, and then we'll jump into this last song together. Father, we love you and, and certainly don't know where everyone is at in the room today. Certainly don't know who is watching this at home today or in the future. But God, I just pray that you would open hearts, soften hearts, God. Your word tells us that unless you open our eyes to the truth, unless you reveal yourself to us, we can't. We can't get there. And so, God, that's what I pray for this morning, that anyone who might be struggling to understand or accept or believe this truth, that you would open their eyes, open their heart, and begin the transformation today. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for Easter. And we celebrate not just a death, 
to pay for our sins, but we celebrate a resurrection when you defeated death once and for all and gave us a chance to be reborn. Thank you for a hope that is alive and active. We pray this in Jesus' name.